and welcome to Tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss income inequality, the end of comic book films, and grudges. I don't want to waste one second, so let's get right into it. My guest today is one of my favorite people in the entire world. He's a beautiful man. He's a sexy man. Uh, he's a man with strong opinions and a strong voice and a strong sense of what is right and what is wrong. Ooh. I'm, of course, talking about my good friend, Michael Shane. Michael, thank you for being here. I'm, I'm thrilled to be back. Yeah. It's so good to have you back well, here on, I am. on the show. You're one yeah. of my favorite people to talk to. Did you know that? I appreciate that. And, uh, and that's why I like having you on. Also, um, you know, you don't. You never go against me too hard, which I like. You know, if somebody somebody disagrees with me, I cut them out of my life completely. I know. Well, look, it's your podcast. It's my goddamn right. It's my podcast. That's what I like to hear. You see, agreeable already. <laughs> if you so much as cross me one iota, you're dead to me. You're out of my life forever. Actually, I'm not a grudge holder. I think um, I think a lot of people uh, in this world tend to hold grudges. Life's too short, man. Well, I don't know if life's too short. I just don't. I just like. To you me, haven't come across a grudge that that is, in your opinion, worth holding. I mean, it's just, it's just like it's just like uh, a grudge isn't exactly how I would describe. Uh, hold on a second, I want to. I have to do something. You're going to hear a beeping noise. Just okay. disregard it. All right. And you're going to hear like kind of a motor. You're going to hear a motor. Disregard the motor as well. What's that? Don't worry about it. It's not important. Oh. Okay. I'm just going to program this machine here. One second. <laughs> <laughs> have to do a little something. You're going to edit this out, right? Uh, no, I'm leaving everything in. This is an all in. This is a, this is an, I want people to, exp- this is the, the tomorrow experience, the way it mm. was meant to be. One take, one kill. One take, one kill. That's right. One shot. That's all I need. When you get in the crosshairs of my sniper rifle, boom, you don't know what hit you. You don't know because <laughs> I'm a very good shot and you're dead. Uh, anyhow, so there's a bunch of stuff to talk about um, right. that we want to discuss, that I want to discuss with you. I want to get. I wanted to talk about the first thing, the, the most important thing that happened this week. Okay. Tesla Model Three. I mean, first off, I, did you did you order one? I did not. My, my Why brother. Not? Why not? My brother it's put it thousand bucks. Yeah, but I, worst you know, case scenario, I have, you don't know where you're going to be in a couple of years, and believe me, it's going to be a couple of years before you get one. No, you, know, I know. you may be. You may, you may be in. Uh, you know, south of France. You may need you know, an electric I, vehicle I guess in the I south just, of France. I don't want to think that far ahead. I don't know I why. Feel, I, I don't know I, why. I guess I didn't feel like loaning Elon Musk a thousand dollars interest free for a couple of years. You know what? Um, yeah. But my brother put 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 his name in. Um, I'm just not at a point in my life where I can even think about owning a car. But I will tell you, I will tell, say this: Sad. if I wasn't living in New York, if I was living uh, in a place where I would have a car, and I knew I was going to have a car in two to four years, no matter what, I would absolutely positively have put my name down and, and given them the deposit because I think but, it's really cool. But you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You live in Brooklyn. I do. I mean, I know a lot of people in Brooklyn with a car. I had a car I, in Brooklyn. I know, but I'm not in the car crowd in Brooklyn. Well, I mean, you you could be if you put the down payment on the Tesla Model Three. It's now, true. I want to talk about some things. I want to. Did you put? Did you put a deposit? I on? actually ended up. Yes, I ended up putting I a, had a, a deposit. You would. <laughs> I actually, I, I waited, I waited too long. In fact, and I'm very upset about it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna punch up some Model Three facts oh, here. Oh, that I'm, clicky keyboard. Like Check that? this out. Yeah. The Model Three um, deposits. Now, these are just deposits. Doesn't mean everyone's gonna buy one. Yeah. But at this point, yeah. the number of deposits, the number of reservations. Uh, is twice as many as the annual sales of the BMW 3 Series and three times as many as the Mercedes C-Class. Now, that is pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, it's it's so much cooler than those cars, it's not even funny. I mean... I know. The car is... This is a car from the future. I mean, listen, if if they even ever ship this, I'll be very impressed, okay? Because I feel like like between now and the end of, what is it, end of 2017, they claim is when they're going to start making these? Probably. They have to ship it. No, they have to, but maybe they won't. Maybe they'll go out of business. Maybe they'll sell sell to GM, and GM will be like, oh, we're refunding everybody's $1,000. We decided not to do it. I mean, who knows? (laughs) Who really knows? But here's what I can say. First off, this is by far and away the nicest looking Tesla. Like, oh, yes. Far and, away, far and away, this is the nicest looking car that the company has made, which I think is interesting considering it's the cheapest car. I love this. I, I'm like, I, when I first saw the front, I was like, what do I think about this? And the more I looked at it, I'm like, it's so weird the way it just stops in the front of the car. Mm-hmm. It's like they just cut off a part of the model. And they're like, yeah, that's good. I think it's fantastic. Like, what yeah. do you need? A, you don't need a grill. They don't need a grill. 
No. Right. Well, you don't need a grill if you don't have a, an engine, right? Oh, I don't know. If combustion engine. I don't know if that's the policy. Have you ever seen the engine, by the way, the Tesla engine? No, I've it's, never seen it's completely, one in person. It's completely bizarre looking. I mean, you think of it. So when you think of an engine, you think of a car engine. Yeah, with pistons and grease and noise oh, and stuff. The whole thing, yeah, and belts yeah. and all this shit. Yeah. The, 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 the engine of a Tesla just looks like a little, kind of like a fat cylinder. It's like really mm. quite strange looking. I mean, it, it, it doesn't look like anything that you would perceive as an engine. Mm. Uh, and, it's, and it's very cool and it's very different. So listen, this is a couple of things. Let's talk about, let's talk about the Model 3 for a second. Because when, I, right. when, I, when I watched the announcement and I, I tweeted some stuff about it afterwards, um, I, I basically said like, this is the beginning of the end for uh, gas powered vehicles. For gas powered, if at least for, it certainly could be. Well, at least for at least for gas powered cars, I think that it's going to be impossible. Um, once first off, I think like our big hurdle, of course, is battery tech. But for people living in urban areas who are um, commuting every day, or people who yeah. are who are just driving around town or going on short trips. Uh, I mean, look, 215 miles is nothing to laugh at. And no, it's, I mean, it's not going to get you across the country, but for your average, well, I mean, if commute, you can, if you can you hit know. a supercharger every 200 right. miles, you'll be okay. Right. You know, yeah. the, the question is like, how long does the supercharge take? Do you know, how long does it take to get the fastest uh, charge? I'm not sure. We should know the answer to this. We should. Let's but see. Every time I look at the map of test, the, the charger network, every time there's a lot more of them and I'm really surprised. I'm going to do a Google search right now for, um, supercharging. You can hear the, uh, hold on a second. You can hear the click of my mouse, of course. I'm all old school here in my, in my mm. office setup. I got a mouse. I have a, uh, I have a keyboard. I have a very wide monitor. And I'm, I'm looking at these pictures and videos of lines at Tesla dealerships yeah, all over the world. It's, crazy. it's unbelievable. It's, it's crazy. unbelievable. I mean, no one has, you've never seen this for a car before. Um, the superchargers charge the Model S in minutes instead of hours. I want to know exactly how many hours, how many minutes. Uh, here we go. You ready? They can provide 170 miles of range in as little as 30 minutes. Now, that ain't really that brief. It's a quick lunch break. It's a lunch break. But, I mean, you know, listen, I, if I'm driving to Pittsburgh from New York. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, I think, about a 400-mile drive. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. That's, we pull over somewhere, you know, how am I doing it? Is there a map? Is there a special map? Let me see something here. Actually, Google maps, Google maps, superchargers. There's gotta be something in the, in the software of the car that makes I it really easy to find supercharger charger, info. Right? Here we go. Interactive Tesla supercharger map Ooh. from Tesla Roddy. This doesn't look very helpful to me. What I'm looking for is I want to... I want to get directions and then know where the superchargers are. There must be a map like this, right? Yeah, I'm sure there's Isn't a map crazy? on the Tesla on the Tesla website. It's actually, um, actually, hang on, hang on. I've, I got something look here. Look at this. Here you go. Here we go. We're a couple of resourceful guys. I'm so sorry to anybody listening. Um, you think that they would they would provide this? You know, Did you find something for me. I found a I found a static image. That's not helpful. No, no. I okay. need a, I want to be able to map a route. And say, all right, here's where I'm going. Get me there. What chargers do I hit? Right. What chargers do I need? How could they not have this technology built into the cars? I'm sure they do. I don't see a supercharger anywhere near Pittsburgh. I can tell you that. Actually, there's one in Cranberry Township, which is uh, just about 20 miles uh, north of Pittsburgh. Well, I can tell you right here. Here's 76. There's one in Somerset, PA. Beautiful. There's one in Allentown. Very nice. Oh, this is very simple. Look at this. Uh, I can hit one in Allentown or I can hit one in Somerset. I think, uh, I'll be honest with you, it's going to be tough. I think I'd have to hit that one in Allentown, which is a bummer because who wants to go to Allentown? I mean, you've heard the song, Mm. you know? Okay, anyhow, so let's get back to what I'm saying. Now, that is is the big, that is the big stumbling block, right? Right. Well, look, I think, I think it may sound like a random number, but in my completely amateur opinion, the magic number for, uh, range is really something probably more like 500 miles. I think 500 is the, is the magic number because most cars are like, you can do, you know, like modern cars, you can do 500 miles on a, on a tank of gas. Right. Yeah, and I think, point. I think you think, okay, well, 500 miles is, I have an expectation of going to stop and refuel at some point Yeah. around 500 miles. That's a really, yeah. but they're, they're not anywhere near that. Now here's the thing. 
this is the to me the magic the magic uh thing that needs to be unlocked the magic trick that needs to be done which is like we give it to me what is we it we got the battery technology has to be way way better and to me like anybody right now if i were if i were going to do um some kind of tech startup mm-hmm. i would be thinking how can i somehow work on batteries how can i get into battery tech because i feel like when somebody cracks the battery technology or charging technology that like is you know either instantaneous charging or battery tech that has crazy capacity i mean that person that company they're going to be so rich well i'll tell you what we need to get we need to get to the point where you can charge electric vehicles via inductive charging and it's simply a a common feature of parking lots everywhere you pull into an inductive charging spot and while your car's sitting there you're good to go and someone's got to pay someone's got to pay for that electricity but also i mean solar you know can we not have find some way to do like the solar panel that's like a 6x yeah or 10x efficiency because when you do that i mean you know the thing is about solar is like they're very inefficient i mean ultimately you need to have a lot of them in a very large space and for a very long time but like if you could like cover these cars in some kind of solar technology or at least the at least the the roof of the car and do something because that's like when you think about that if we can really find a way to turn solar into like a highly efficient form of of um energy generation that it could be like Mm -hmm. then maybe you never have to refuel yeah. You know, you just yeah. need the power of the sun. Hey, check this out. Just like uh, Superman in the Dark Knight Returns. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, Tesla charging stations in New York City are almost about to outnumber uh, gas stations. But that's a bullshit number because there are like no gas stations in New York City. And as, well, a, as a person who's um, suffered the panic and terror of trying to fuel a empty tank in the middle of New York, I can tell you. Mm. I mean, listen, it's it's much easier to uh, put an electric charger in somewhere, you know. I'm oh, sh- gonna get, oh, of course. Absolutely. I'm sure that's the goddamn case. But, you know, now that you're uh, out, living outside of the city, you should be able to gas up at a very leisurely pace anytime you need to. That's right. I'm living outside of the city and outside of the construct of your pathetic uh, <laughs> urban mindset. Okay. Uh, I'm living on the edges. Okay. The luxurious that's where, I, that's where I need to be, close to yeah. the edge. That's where I do my best work. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, so look, the, I think the Model 3, like, I don't know if I'm actually going to end up buying the car. I mean, here's the thing. Right. I'm so far in line. This is my big question about the Model 3, mm-hmm. is I put my um, 1000 bucks in when they were at, like, 200000 Yes. Okay? I mean, if they start producing these in, let's say, November of yep. 2017. Yep. For the sake of the argument, mm-hmm. we don't really know how many they're going to be able to make. We don't That's really true. know how quickly they're going to be produced. But here's the other thing to keep in mind yeah, is that, uh, and this Elon Musk tweeted this, is that uh, putting your name in for a deposit for a reservation gives you priority within your geographical area. Mm-hmm. So even if you were near the end, if you're near the front in your geography. I don't think that's going to be the case. That's what he says. There are, uh, I, this, where I live, it's lousy with Teslas. There are mm-hmm. Teslas everywhere, okay? Wow. Believe humble me. brag? Humble brag? Little bit I'm humble not bragging. Brag. I'm not bragging. These people disgust me, but I will tell you, <laughs> what doesn't disgust me is their Teslas. And mm-hmm. um, no, but look, I mean, I, I don't know that. And also, I'm in New York. So we're mm-hmm. talking about, what are we talking about geographic areas? I mean, yeah, in Alaska, like maybe if I was 200,000, but I lived in Alaska, I might be like, hey, but that still doesn't make any sense. Cause it's like, why wouldn't you prioritize by whenever the first thing came right. in and wherever you're shipping to first? So presumably it's like California, right? Yeah. They're producing them in California, right? I, I, I don't know where they're building. You don't them. know the answer to this. I don't. Where's the gigafactory? Why don't you have more information for me? I told you specifically, I said, Michael, before we start this podcast, I want you to have all the facts about <laughs> Tesla and the Model 3 that you can gather. Uh, it's outside Reno, Nevada. Well, close enough. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, they're going to serve the West Coast first. But here's the thing. So I just want to know, has anybody has anybody made an estimate on if you're number 250,000, mm-hmm. when could you reasonably expect to get your car? I think the only people that know that work at Tesla. And at this point, even they probably don't know for sure. Yeah, I mean that's pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah, 
I mean, it's pretty crazy. Now, do you think there's going to be a version of, I don't know if they talked about this or not. I didn't watch the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's going to be a version of um, this car that has a higher capacity? Let's put it this way. The the sticker price is $35,000 before subsidies. I would imagine that the vast majority of the Model 3s that roll off the lot into customer hands will have a sticker price significantly higher than that based on upgrades and bells and whistles. I mean, I'll be, I'm just interested. Could be battery capacity. I don't know. I'm just, but it's. I don't think that many are actually going to be bought at the $35,000 range. I think most people will buy more expensive versions. Yeah, like I mean, you do with any car. I mean, here's the, here's the things I'm interested in knowing. If there's going to be a higher range version, uh, and if there's going to be a version with four-wheel drive. They make it. They make a... Uh, they make a so yeah. I have an answer for you on that. Oh. The base Model 3 will be uh, real, uh, rear-wheel drive mm-hmm. with dual-motor, all-wheel drive optional. That's what I'm going to uh, be getting. And Elon Musk says that even uh, real-wheel drive will have great traction on ice due to fast torque response of the Tesla drivetrain. Where are you getting this from? Uh, I'm just reading his Twitter feed. Yeah. He's been tweeting a lot of like uh, answers to consumer questions Yeah, what's today. he up to? I haven't been checking it out. Let me see what's going on in his feed. So I like that's so that's very important to me. I mean, I, I we live in a place obviously that's really snowy. So, so you want the all-wheel drive. Of course, I want the mm-hmm. all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Only mm-hmm. a fool would get a rear-wheel drive personally as far as I'm concerned. Maybe I guess if you live in California or something, mm-hmm. you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about it. Where there's only I, one season. Yeah. But I'm going to that's right. <laughs> here's here's a tweet that he sent out uh, 2 days ago. Definitely going to need to rethink production planning. Yeah. That's like that's not <laughs> encouraging you know that's like that's they like, complete i mean they were either they're being bashful about it but uh i don't think they're being bashful you know. this is a company that is known has a history of terrible yeah. delays on cars i mean the the model x was supposed to was supposed to go into production i think in like 2013 right well here's something interesting can you imagine uh, i mean can you imagine having i mean this car could be delayed three years that could happen easily and that's like they're going to screw themselves with that well, happens. Look, as as excited as everyone is about this car get this uh i was people at the office were talking the other day uh must i guess it was friday uh and they were saying and that uh short interest in tesla stock is that is very high yeah of course possibly at an all-time high i don't remember for sure so nobody quote me on that but a lot of people are as many people are betting that this will be a huge that Tesla is still in for trouble as are uh, saying Tesla is going to be incredibly successful. Right. Um, so here's an, something interesting. Going back to what I was saying, uh, Elon Musk thinks that the average selling price, like within what they predict to be the average mix of options, will probably be forty two thousand dollars. Yeah, I saw that, but um, which is fine. Which is okay. People yeah. are going to get the sport package. They're understandable. Gonna get, I, mean, yeah. I don't give it to these people who are like it's zero to sixty and whatever. It's like who? Well, you got to get the tape know. deck so you can put, play all your cassettes. Now that would be fucking cool, actually. If you wouldn't get, it be tight? If you get a cassette deck in there, <laughs> that'd be great. I mean, what are the options? Do they have a CD player? Am I going to be able to get a six-disc CD changer in there? Yeah, who knows? I also want to know if there's a way that I can heavily tint the roof part of it because I'm, I'm, because I have a, a, a Q5, an Audi Q5, which has the same thing, mm-hmm. which is like the whole roof is glass. They look tinted in the pictures. And I, well, yeah, but I had them extra tint mine because mm-hmm. uh, even though it has a thing inside that kind of like screens out the sun, I'm, I'm, yeah, I hate, I hate light from sunroofs. Mm. Not into it. I like the idea of it being open. I just don't like it being super clear. Yeah, I love the I love the way it's continuous. It's a beautiful uh, car. I mean, it's and a, now that I'm looking at it more, I got to say I'm into the the lack of grill on the front. No, it's I think great. It's, it's it's great. I mean, listen, most cars are disgusting. I mean, I just have yeah. to say, just like car, tennis shoes, car design in general is a garbage fire. Two, two things that are disgusting to me: sneaker design and mm. vehicle design. Like, I think if you look, and I think that they have a lot in common actually, um, but they are all. They're just most sneakers and most cars are disgusting looking. And I mean, Heavy. like top of the line, like Mercedes, I yeah. think they're ugly as shit. I mean, they're really unattractive cars. <laughs> BMW makes an okay looking car. Volvo makes a really good looking car. I have to say Volvo's making this station wagon, which is a, it's a station wagon version of their last um, SUV, which I find very attractive, very attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um for the most part, they're disgusting. And then you look at shoes and it's the same thing. All shoes yeah. are. Now, have you ever designed your own shoes? You ever done Nike ID or anything like no, that? No, but I did just get a new pair of Nike shoes. Would you like to talk about them? Uh, what kind of, what, which, which model did they you get? They are a, um, let me look up the exact model number. I want to get this right. I don't want, cause I know there's going to be yeah. some, uh, 
I know there's going to be some people listening, like Sam. Well, you, Sam you gotta Sheffer watch out. I was just going to say Sam Sheffer is going to come Sam after you. Sam Sheffer is going to be listening. Let me. Tell I do you. love a. I do love a nice, solid pair of uh, Air Force Ones. Can't beat those. Well, let me tell you what they are. If I can find my listing, are they like They're a special Air limited Jordan, run? Air Jordan. Air Jordan okay. One Retro. Retro. Low top. Low top. OG white and midnight navy. They're sick. OG. I tweeted about them. I must. Have They're like that. old school Air Jordans. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah, that those those are definitely very you. I also got an insane pair of Adidas Stan Smiths, which I have. I just got them, um, which I have not put on yet. But let me let me uh, hold on a second. I want to send you. A also, link. just like these are definitely you. you think and in case anyone's, you know, for anyone who's you. listening, Josh trademark Josh sneakers are generally low tops, That's and right. they're generally uh, mostly white. That's right. Now, now I went a little bit off the reservation with this pair that I bought. I'm going to show you. I'm going to send you a link here. Okay. I'm just trying to think of how is how is the Skype is the worst application. Oh, just created. use a iMessage. No, no, no. I got it. Here it is. Now, these <clears throat> are these look like they've been hit with a Photoshop um Oh my god. colorized filter. <laughs> and they're they're fucking amazing. I mean, they look in person. Wow. It's unreal how they look. Wait, now is this picture under a black light? The black, the, the black so background? yeah, they have a reflective coating. I think if you take any kind of photography, like flash photography or anything, they're completely coated in this reflective thing. Oh. Um, but these are like these are not not timid shoes. They're not timid. I like them a lot. I don't know. There's something about this color that just speaks to me. Mm-hmm. But what's really cool about them is they look like okay. They look. They don't look like a shoe that has. Most shoes look like though they're like a set of colors put together. Yes. This shoe looks like a shoe that like you're looking at it and it's been filtered. It's like has a colorized filter on it. Like it doesn't mm. look like they have um, particularly picked a color for any part of it. It looks like it was all hit with the exact same color and th- there's slight, slightly different tones. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I see. Like with the like the, if you look the, at the picture, the patch. On yeah, the if heel, you look at the picture from yeah. the rear of this shoe, yeah. yeah. This is really, I'm sure, I'm sure everybody's really enjoying this. Now go find the Stan Smith. I'll tell you the, um, the, uh, uh, the model number S eight zero two five one Stan Smith. Anyhow, I have a pair of other, of white Stan Smiths, which are actually really similar to those Nikes. And I'll never forget that when I interviewed Balmer for the Engadget show, mm-hmm. um, he talked to me backstage. You might've been there. Oh no, you weren't there. You no, know, that was, we didn't that know was before my time. That was way before your time. Um, yeah. he talked to me for a pretty extended period of time about my shoes, which were Stan, yeah. which were Stan Smiths. Now, have you ever, uh, you ever owned a pair of Bapes? Uh, Bape shoes? No, yeah. I I bought I bought a, I had a lot of Bape stuff, um, which I bought in Japan mm-hmm. in uh, let's say the year two thousand, mm-hmm. maybe two thousand one. Yeah, um, before Bathing Ape was something you could get everywhere. Right. I mean, right. it was very very hard to come by. I went ape shit. No no pun intended, but I went ape shit <laughs> when I um, when I went to Japan the yeah. first. I mean, it's good time. stuff. Now, do you remember hearing about the the giant auction of Star Wars memorabilia at Sotheby's earlier this year? Uh, was that James Lavelle's stuff? No, I didn't. No, I, it was all it was all stuff that belonged to the guy who founded Bape. Nigo. Yeah, because apparently he was uh, he had to you know it was to help him get out of bankruptcy. Oh, or really? Something. Because because there's yeah, it was uh, all his stuff. Oh, here it is. Let me see. Let me look at this. I'm looking right now. This is an incredible. Look at this. Look at this art. Yeah. Bunch of cause, bunch of cause paintings, bunch of insane watches. I mean, the stuff that this guy sold is insane. Yeah. It's like, no wonder you didn't have any money. (laughs) 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 Um, This is really amazing. This is a cut from a couple years ago. Yeah. Actually, High Snobriety did did a, um, did a most expensive items. Well, he sold a lot of stuff. It's sort of sad, actually. Yeah. I mean, some cool stuff, but. You can imagine. I mean, he sold a watch for the watch sold for one hundred ninety thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! The estimated price is between ninety six and one hundred twenty eight thousand. I mean, I just don't understand the point of a watch like that. I mean, I understand the point of it. He had a Warhol. He sold for three hundred forty five thousand. No, I'm sorry. He had two Warhols. Three and one for he sold for three hundred forty five thousand. Another one sold for four hundred seven thousand. Wow. So, but it's sad, you know. He had to. He had to get out of. Debt. Do we know yeah. that for sure? I mean, I believe he was, 
at, for sure in bankruptcy. Oh, wait, here's a different one. Here's the Star Wars stuff. This is, I, mean, I don't think this is interesting listening to, if you're listening to this right now, but I, I recommend you. You want, you want to change topics? I recommend you do some Google searching on this, these collections. Yeah. Um, no, I, yes, I want to change topics, obviously. But anyhow, getting back to what were we talking about? The, oh, the Model 3. I want to get back to the Model 3. So, okay. I think that, I think, I really do think this is a, this marks like a turning point. But I also have to say, well, I don't know if it's a turning point, but it could be the beginning no, of the thing that leads to the turning point. point. Because, because a $35,000 car, now that's not an average price of a car. Right. Most people buy much cheaper cars. Let's, let's just right. put that out there. But there is a range of luxury cars. Yes. And very nice, like non luxury, but like, you know, the higher end Hondas, the higher end, um, Toyotas, the higher end Volkswagens. Hmm. Hey, now, now check this out. Um, in 2013, the average price of a new vehicle was around $32,000, oh. according to Kelly Blue Book. Okay, that's in 2013. That was 2013. Well, that's interesting, but you have to, um, but the average, I mean, how, if they're arriving at the average based on the high and low of the market, I mean, uh, that sort of makes sense. I mean, I understand yeah. it. It's an average, but yeah. I do think... Um, but the point, I wonder what the median is. But the point is, there's a huge amount of cars being sold around this price. Yes, and it's it's the sweet spot. And almost none of them are as cool as this. I mean, I would say none of them are as cool as the Model <laughs> no, Three. I would agree with that. I mean, that and, is, and, that's and, true. And and my and my assumption is, if this car is built like the Model S is built and the Model X is built, they are really it'll be a really really good car. Like not yeah. just that it's an electric car, but it'll be a really good car with a smooth ride, with a quiet cabin, mm-hmm. with like lots of great features. I mean. I think that, I think that, you know, great acceleration, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think that, um, we can't discount the fact that this isn't just about like, uh, you know, an electric, an affordable electric car, but like the Model S is considered a really great car amongst the Mercedes and the BMWs and the Audis of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, they're like, this is a better car than whatever the equivalent Mercedes is basically. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's really important, but I do think that this is a moment where, um, you know, the Chevy bolt by comparison, which is this like $30,000 car that GM is making. Yeah. It's like laughably designed next to this. Now I actually, oh, yeah. I actually like cars that are kind of like weird bubbles Right. But, but, you know, these cars side by side. The well, look, I think the thing that's important is that Tesla won't be able to do this by itself. I think we talked about this last time I was on or, or the time before that. But what's really going to flip the scale on this is when not just Tesla, but the other car makers, and there are not a small number of them, but when the other car makers also successfully hit that sweet spot and get something mass market that everybody loves and you start getting enough electric cars on the road to displace purchase of gasoline and things like that. It's when every, when all these companies get there and we reach critical mass, then we will really turn a corner. Tesla might be the catalyst yeah. to finally get people excited, but it, I don't think Tesla, the car company, will be able to do no, they're, it they're uh, not all be, by itself. I mean, it's unlikely they're going to be... I mean, in some way, they may end up being the Apple of this of the car world, which is right. like, you know, they're making a lot of money and they're highly innovative, but they're not necessarily selling the most of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, well, I mean, Apple sells the, the most of a lot of things, right. but I think But that, here we are in 2016 and every smartphone is a touchscreen smartphone. I right? mean, they say, that's right. I mean, the iPhone is not the most sold smartphone, but it is the most influential smartphone. Exactly. And, and certainly the pro, the profit margin on the phone is very good for Apple. Yeah. So yep. I think that, you know, I can see a Tesla holding a position like that in the market until, I mean, these things are commonplace and then it might not matter, you know, the, the, the battery tech is really going to be the place where someone's going to have to have a breakthrough, you know, and that yes. break, that breakthrough is going to be very meaningful. You know, yep. if, if, if I were, a, if I were a, I mean, I'm sure they don't think like this, but if I were a car company, I would be putting every resource I could possibly find into just figuring out the 500 mile battery. Yeah. You got to get to the point where you've got parity in terms of range with a tank of gasoline, and you've got to get to the point where refills or charging your battery in terms of ease is at parity with finding a gas station. Yeah. Once you, you do that, it's over. Do you have, I mean, I've talked to people, they're like, you'll never, you know, you'll never tear me away from my combustion engine. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Is there any appeal to you? I'm just curious. I, I of never a combustion really, engine. I mean, I like I like motorcycles. I like. I mean, I kind of like cars. Like the engine means nothing to me in a car. I, I, I mean, don't look, even I, think of it. I like motorcycles because I find I think that they can be aesthetically very beautiful sure, and right. te- technologically very interesting. That's right. I had a pretty normal childhood. Had had my parents had cars the whole time we were growing up, but I have no built-in loyalty to combustion engines whatsoever and doesn't occupy an emotional space for me. I really couldn't care less what kind of engine is in my car. Other than that, I would prefer that it's cool uh, and preferably doesn't destroy the planet. Right. And so I feel like, so like to me, when I'm in my car, I'm never like, the only time I think about the engine is, is can I accelerate fast enough to get somewhere? Or do I hear the engine working? Which to mm. me is not a great sound. So you, you don't like to hear it changing gears and everything. I mean, I, I, I prefer not to hear the engine working if i i mm-hmm. mean my, my my yeah my interest in in the car is like what what i want out of the car ride is quietness smoothness and mm. and confidence yeah i'm not looking for like a thrill i'm not trying to like right you know i'm not trying to like get an erection from how fast my car goes right that's like that, doesn't, like, that just doesn't do it for me even on yeah. a motorcycle it's not like an arousing experience to like hear the, I actually kind of hate the sound of a motorcycle engine in a lot Mm -hmm, of ways. mm -hmm. Like I, I would, I I actually on my triumph, I want to get a quieter muffler because I, it sort of is annoying to me. Um, there are other reasons why you want sort of a loud bike, but that's a whole different, that's a whole different conversation. No, but I hear what you're saying. I, I have never been connected to a car in that sort of like visceral, way in ter- you know like what you're referencing with the the power of the engine and the thrill yeah, of yeah. taking corners i totally i know that there are people who really love that that's totally legitimate but for me um which probably won't surprise anybody uh that's never been part of my experience with transportation yeah i mean I, that's the, so anyhow so i i maybe there are gonna be people who are just like i can't uh you know i can't handle it but I, to me, it means nothing. I just want, and I think, and I do think like, I do think that that the model three is, it's a real watershed moment. I really do. I think that, um, just to, I think the pre-orders are interesting. Those numbers you just gave are tremendously, um, meaningful, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course the question is how many people follow through and how quickly they can get this thing in the market. But I think it says that there is a tremendous hunger and an excitement about this kind, uh, of vehicle. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's really simple. When was the last time anybody anywhere ever lined up for not even to to buy a car, but for the opportunity to reserve a chance, an opportunity to buy a car? I mean, you haven't seen lines outside of a retail establishment like this since Apple used to have lines before they. I think they still have started doing. You know, they're still putting people in lines. You know, somehow I don't really know how, but nobody lined up for the iPhone SE. I can tell you that, which is a great segue because I want to talk about the iPhone SE. All right, let's talk about it. This is a pretty, this is be a pretty nerdy show. Let's uh, do it. So, so the iPhone SE is uh, just so I'm understanding everybody. I just want to be clear: the mm-hmm. iPhone SE is exactly like the iPhone 5S, but it's faster and has a better, has a better camera. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't. There's not a lot to say about it except well, that. Well, here's here's the most important thing to say about it, in me. my opinion. Please do. Is that the iPhone SE? Now, there, I know there are going to be plenty of people that you and I know that we that are going to buy this because they prefer a smaller phone. Sure. But the bottom line is that the iPhone SE is not for us. It's not for our country. It's for Apple's ambitions and plans elsewhere in the world. Full stop. Where? It's not Where for in it's, the you world? know. It's not for. Can you us. elaborate on that? Uh, emerging markets, India, China. Places like that, there where they need to sell a less expensive iPhone. Right, basically, right. it's not for us. Um, but now, but, plenty of people are going to be thrilled because it's smaller, and they I really mean, want that. I mean, uh, Sam Schaffer, who I just mentioned, our, our old uh, social maven from The Verge and uh, former intern prior to that, uh, now at Mashable. Uh, and also doing a vlog, which is quite interesting. But anyhow, Sam Schaffer is a wonderful man. In fact, I, I need to have him on the show. I've told him I wanted to have him on the show. This is my mm. public promise to Sam that he will be on the show. Well, you'll find out if he's listening or not based on whether or not he pings you. That's a great point. If it's, he doesn't get in touch with you after this episode, I don't think you should let him on. This is a great way to find out if people are listening to the show. Yeah. Like um, like if I were to say, like, that bastard Kanye West owes me money and he better <laughs> he better email me and, and tell me that he's got it coming. It'll be interesting to see if, if Kanye is listening. I'm sure he'll be in touch. Um, so, but anyhow, yeah, the SE, I, I mean, yes, okay, I get it. It's not for us. I just feel like that event they did, I feel like it might have been better for Apple. And the iPad, the new iPad, it's like whatever. It's like this marginal mm-hmm. update to a product. You've already introduced all of these features. You're just keep well, putting look, it in a smaller size. I think, I think honestly, it would have been better for Apple to just do 
some strategic um, pieces with the press. Do something with Wired. Do something with The Verge. Do something with, uh, I don't know, Business Week, Fast Company. Mm-hmm. You know, strategic. Each one gets a story. Somebody gets the iPad. Somebody gets the SE. Somebody, and they all do features on it. Well, look, I think here's the hard part. Because that you event was be, depressing. Well, you may be right that it would have been a good strategy for them to do that. But then we'd be on this podcast talking about, well, why didn't Apple do an event? Yeah, or if, and if it's not us, other people would have been. They can't win. Um, they can't well, win. Well, look, here's, here's the, the interesting thing is that I remember a couple of years ago, you started talking about how we're in, we're in uh, a valley right now. Like we're in the moment between moments, technologically yeah, speaking. Yeah, except when it comes to electric cars. Right, except for that. But in terms of consumer tech, handsets, small things, things like that, uh, we're in the moment between the moments. Markets are saturated. We now have to wait for technology to catch. We need new ideas, and we probably, if the new ideas existed, would have to wait for technology to catch up with them. Yeah. So the reality is, Josh, frankly, for a while... The magic is probably not going to be as uh, as mind blowing as it has been, you know, back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, years like that. And I think that's okay. Um, but I, I mean, the, the reason I bring that up is because I'm starting to see other people put forward that same idea now. I think they're three or four years late to putting that idea forward, but uh, I'm seeing it pretty regularly now. People are saying, you know, we're in a valley, uh, we're on an upbeat, we're you know, it's yeah, we're in a breath. Of course. Um, and I, that's totally normal. I've been All saying this, that for ages. Nobody, nobody would listen to me. I know. How long have I been saying it, Michael? Um, what year is it? 2016? I think you've been saying it for uh, three years. Four, four years? Three, three to four, four years? years. <laughs> well, you know, the valley's hard to see for when you're up on the mountain. It's true. When you're down in the valley, you're like, oh, wait a second. Well, how the fuck did I get down here? Yeah. This shit is real. How am I going to eat? <laughs> Next thing you know, a monkey's attacking you. But look, you, you need valleys like this. You need valleys like this because, well, when in valleys like this, this is when companies like Apple can continue to work on their their silicon, on their chips. And yeah. the chips can get better and better so that eventually – when the next big idea comes, the processing power is there, and then maybe it's just an engineering challenge. So there are other, I think, probably pretty magical things happening behind closed doors, under the hoods of devices. But in terms of uh, interface, you know, interface paradigms and hardware designs and models of interaction, I think we're basically hanging out right now, suspended animation. Uh, and that's okay. Let me tell you something I just read as we, you were talking. Mm. Uh, you'll be very interested. Chris Dixon posted a, a blog, a blog post 13 minutes ago. This is on Sunday night. Um, they're in He's investing $3.1 million in a company that George Hotz, Geo Hotz is running comma AI. And, uh, so a 16 Z is, um, mm. Andreessen Horowitz is, is, uh, leading a $3.1 million investment. Uh, in his in his self driving car system, and he actually uses a screen grab oh. of the Bloomberg story. I, I was just going to say this is this is the guy we did the story this about. This is the guy that Bloomberg did a big piece on. Ashley did Ashley Vance do it? Uh, or was it Brad yes, I, Stone? So. I think it was Ashley. one of those two brilliant brilliant bastards. Um, anyhow, yeah, uh, it was Ashley. So that's interesting. I mean, this is see, this is what's really fascinating. Is like I really think so. This is like talking about that valley. I think something like car, this kind of, and not car technology, like, oh, it syncs better with my phone or whatever, but this big infrastructure stuff, self-driving vehicles, uh, electric vehicles, um, all of the tech that goes into that stuff. Yeah. I look at VR and I think VR is similar, but I wonder, I wonder if VR, I'm actually like sort of on the fence about whether VR is the, we're at the moment now, or we just think that we're at the moment. No, I, my honest opinion, I do not think we're at the moment yet. I don't think the format is going anywhere. I think it's going to become a huge part of our, of not, maybe not our everyday lives, but it's not going anywhere. I think we are still at the very beginning. If I was going to make an analogy, I would say we're not even at original iPhone in terms no, of on the timeline, we're I, still before that. I think, but I don't I, think, it's I going think you're anywhere. right. I think that I think that I think you're so right. I actually think that as as much as I love what Oculus is doing and what HTC is doing, I feel like and what Sony is going to do, I feel like we are at like the Palm Trio stage. We're at like the BlackBerry pre iPhone stage of like it's like the the ideas are there, some of the execution is there, it does it pretty well. 
there's a certain segment of user that wants it and uses it. I actually feel like this is really, really close. In fact, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. certain power users are getting them and using them and doing things that would become very commonplace. But the but there hasn't been that moment. There isn't that like watershed moment of this is for everyone and here's why and here's how easy it is. Yeah. And like, so I think, that, and I think that that's really like, I don't know when that moment is going to come and I don't know where that moment is going to come from. You know, I think that, I think that there's something that is, uh, very hard to track in, in with VR, you know? And I think that I do think, see, I do think that with, when I see the model three, I think we've, that is that I think that's the iPhone moment. I think that, I think that what we saw when he announced the model three, it was very mm-hmm. similar to the iPhone, the original iPhone announcement, which is like, we made this thing. It's not here yet. You're going to be able to get it. And this is what it does. And this is how much it's going to, I don't even, they didn't talk about the price, but they said like, you know, mm-hmm. you get a sense of like what the range is going to be. You know, it's going to obviously, you know, somewhat affordable, but I think that, that it was like, oh shit, we just cracked something open with that announcement. Like there's something here that we really haven't done before. We're in uncharted territory. And I think that's where, that's where Tesla is with the model three with, with VR. We're not there yet. I don't think we're there yet. And I, and I wonder if I don't know, I honestly don't know how we get there. I mean, I I don't, I mean, a smarter person than me is going to figure it out. A lot. Some of it, honestly, I think is going to re- re- require like rely on Moore's law. Like right now, to get the optimal VR experience, you have to buy the VR hardware and you have to have a separate uh, uh, freestanding PC that's powerful enough to run to run the software. Right. I think eventually, what we need is for that. Uh, the hardware to get powerful enough and inexpensive enough for it to be in one package so that anybody, regardless of their familiarity with uh, hardware or their level of sophistication, can walk into a Best Buy, Best Buy or go to Amazon.com, order one thing, plug it in, take it out of the box, and be in VR 10 minutes later. That's where we have to get. I mean, it has to be... Yeah, I mean, take it has to be something so... I can't even, I can't begin to. It's got to be seamless. I mean, right now it is still a very But what is it? I mean, even, even putting the thing on to me, I'm, I'm like, I feel like that's an impede. That's, that's like, that's an impediment that could be detrimental. Right. But, uh, but I think that that's not going anywhere. No, I think it needs to be, but I think it needs to be like sunglass size. Like that's the way I feel like it needs to be like you put on a pair of glasses that don't look, that don't look lame and you're in VR. Now you're getting up to the point of where it's like. I don't know, and I'm sure somebody out there knows, but I certainly don't know. The limits there may simply be imposed by physics, right? Well, maybe. Of, of you know screens and angles and I mean light. maybe, but that's the but that's those the limits that must be that must be um, catapulted over. So you think having looking like a bozo is well, even if you're doing yeah, it in the privacy do. of your own I home, do. is an impediment. <sighs> I mean, what let's see, let's get, it down, let's, get it, let's get it down really small, but, but what thing that you put on your face has gotten really popular? Well, this is true. I hey mean, man, just Google, what Google thing, Glass was a massive hit. What thing, is that, what, what thing that looks lame that you put on your face has gotten really popular? Right. I mean, uh, it's actually, I think it's a really question, a really serious question worth exploring. It's like, Hey, I got one. I got one. You know, Remember how popular laser tag was? That was like a whole a whole gear out you had to do. Come I would on, not man. I would not use laser tag as an example here because <laughs> that was a, uh, a a novelty and also basically a failure. I mean, Wasn't it pretty popular for a while? I don't know, but it's not a good comparison. This is not about laser tag. <laughs> this is about like it's like people don't want to wear those three D glasses that look like glasses to have a three D experience watching. Now, do TV. you have have you have you done some reporting on this? Have you talked to people who said, "Man, VR sounds cool," but I don't want to put that on my head. I don't have to do reporting. I know what's going on out there. I don't know. I think you should do some get out on I the street. I get talk out on the, the street, but I'm telling you, I know what people are like. By the way, history has proven this out. It's like they really don't want to put on weird shit. They don't, mm. and if they do, the experience has to be so incredible. It has to be so otherworldly that like right. you don't care. Well, and right? I think that's what's going to have to be I, I mean, I keep thinking about like Ready Player 1 and VR is going to have to be that good for it to really achieve escape velocity. It's not it's never going to be Just imagine. If, I want you to imagine if, somebody. If it's not that good, it's only ever going to be a novelty and I believe that it is it's got to be more than a novelty. I want you to imagine someone in Canada right now. Canada. Okay. They live in they live in Toronto. 
Yeah, the loft apartment over a really great party, as mm. Robin Williams used to say. They live in Toronto. No, they're just a regular person, okay? They work, they're an accountant in Toronto, okay? Yeah. Why do they need VR? What are you going to do for them? I can think of one thing and one thing only. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do for them in VR that makes it so good and so meaningful and right. isn't like an apparatus that has like a, a line coming out of your ceiling that, you know, connects to a massive box somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's just <laughs> say it's like, let's just say it's, it's a Samsung, um, you know, gear VR situation. Yeah. It's like as small as you can pop your iPhone into it or something like yeah. that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wire free. Yeah. What are you going to give them that they need? That they're well, willing think, to sit with that thing on their face for. So here's here's what I think the opportunity is. By the way, VR, I love VR and I'm I'm a huge proponent of it. I'm oh, just no, I'm yeah. seriously like I'm questioning so, what the breaking look, point is. VR the the thing that VR has, which at this point has been probably sounds like a, a cliche, is complete and utter immersion, right? And I think that in order for VR to really take over, it's other it's that that paradigm of complete immersion has to become a standard that the audience, consumers, you, me, normal people, everybody demands so that 10 years from now, the best way to watch the Super Bowl is in VR. And the only way to play games is in okay, VR. Okay, let's talk, ha- in let's, order to be on, successful, on, on, on. it's got to replace other about, paradigms. Let's talk about the Super Bowl example for a second. All right. Okay? All right. Yeah. And when people watch the Super Bowl, they get together and they have a party. Not in our dystopian future. Okay. There are no parties. Well, right now. And for the last 50 years that the Super Bowl has been on or however long it's been. Mm-hmm. So you tell me how VR replaces that experience, changes that experience. You tell well, me how people are going to, they're going to be like, you know what, I'm going to stay home and I'm just going to pop on my VR, VR headset and watch it. Well, look, it's better than getting on the subway to go to a friend's house in Queens. I don't think but it is. I don't think it is. No, look, it's not. But People I think you're asking a very human important question. Okay, and that gets me to my that gets me to my killer app, which is uh, uh, Sex Simulator. I think just like for um, VHS, a lot of its success had to do with porn, mm-hmm. and frankly, for the internet, I think a lot of its success had to do with porn. Yeah, and porn chose the winner in the high definition format wars. I think right? that is that true. I think so. Uh, you may just be making that up. Did I make that up? It uh, feels possible. Well, let's, here, let's just put it this way. Porn possible. chooses a lot of winners when it comes to consumer technology and uh, audiovisual formats. I'm saying that's a highly motivating factor mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Yeah. Listen, if you could give them a, a like true full immersion sex experience... You have the beginning of the downfall of human civilization. You do, but you also have, I think, the, <laughs> I think you have the... the um, the killer app for VR, you know, well, like I think that like, Oh, will I put this thing on my head? Oh, I can get, have sex with anybody look, I want. Okay. Josh, yeah, I guess so. I, I think you're just highlighting a timeless truth of the human condition, which is that sex is the killer app for humanity. Sex is the, well, actually it's really when you get down to it, I don't want to get too philosophical here, but when you get right down to the core of everything, get to the core, get there. Sex really is the killer app for humanity because That's what I'm saying. it is, the, That's what it I is the magical act that allows us to continue as a species so like really at the core of everything, you, in a way, I mean, since it is really our biological imperative to procreate mm-hmm. and frankly, the, the biological need of the species, yeah, maybe the core of everything is really just getting laid, just trying to get laid in one way or another. I mean, think of the rise of, of like apps like Tinder on yeah. the iPhone, you know, and it's think like about how many relationships, the- how many relationships start on Facebook. Way too many. How many relationships have started? Because you Googled something. And next thing you know, you've fallen in love. <laughs> Very few have started like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think the point is, I think the point is, uh, no, I think sex might be the, might be the magic bullet for, um, look, it, for VR. Look, like I said. And for humanity. I don't, I don't think the format is going anywhere. I think it's going to be a huge part of our lives in the future. But if I could tell you what happens in between now and then, I wouldn't be on this podcast. I'd be making a million dollars. A million sounds low. If you, right. could, if you could tell me that and be right, I think a million would be you selling yourself short. Yeah. If that's all yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so I think it's anyhow, but it's interesting. But I do think um, I want to, you know, what I want to see happen in technology and with innovation where I think we can have some really... Like which is so slow, it may it may as well not even be happening. Certainly not in in the, in the United States. Mm, it, peace in the Middle East. No, that 
No, let's not be unrealistic. Um, <laughs> no, uh, infrastructure, mm-hmm. like our actual city and nation infrastructure. Um, there's, it feels like there's so little being done. You know what I mean? It's not just about like, how do we have, how do we get bridges that don't collapse? Cause mm-hmm. that is an issue, but you yeah. know, public transit, um, powering cities, yeah. making cities Ooh. smart. Now, what does this have to do with VR? Uh, no, it has nothing to do with VR. I'm saying like mm. the, the technologies that I feel like, well, we're talking about VR. We're talking about, we're talking about the Tesla in electric cars mm-hmm. uh, and other sort of like big infrastructure pieces. And I'm just saying that I think a place where there's a huge opportunity and very little seems to be getting done is like, how do you actually create cities of the future? How do you actually create infrastructure for uh, populations of the future? I mean, you look at, yeah. you know, New York is this overcrowded mess of a city. You know, it really is, you know, and like, and frankly, what's being bought up on most blocks is like what's happening is like these really shitty condos for the, for the, really for like the 1% or let's say the 10% or something. Yeah. And, and Chipotle, you know, or whatever is coming after (laughs) Shake Shack or whatever is the, you know, next thing. It's like New York is not like organically growing. It's growing into these really like weird corporate ways, but it's also like becoming a very intolerable place to, to live in. I mean, it's, it's like high and low. It's like the extreme of high and low. It's like, you have to be very rich to live in New York, yep. uh, to get around as a nightmare. I mean, look, you take the train every day. Yeah. How's your commute? Well, I take the four or five. And as anyone who lives in New York will know that commuting on the four or five at rush hour, uh, is a nightmare as far as the first world goes. I mean, can you even get on like you, how many trains you have to wait for when you're in the when you're rush uh, hour? I'm, but well, remember I start in Brooklyn by the time it gets to my stop, it's pretty full, but maybe one, tr- one commute in six, I have to wait for, I don't get on my first train. Right. But it's not comfortable. But, is it? Oh, it's, it's hellacious, can especially you, in the summer. I mean, can you write, can you move when you're on the train? No, you can't a, move. that's such a crazy to me, such a crazy hazard, isn't it? I mean, when you think about all of those people smashed into, so it's like, it's like, can we deal with that? You know, the amount yeah. of cars that are in the city, the, the way the city is powered, all of these right. things, there's so much that could be done. And I feel like we have such, we've done so little, you know, uh, um, the architect Zaha Hadid, um, died recently. Yeah. And that sucks. Uh, it does suck. And she was brilliant. Remember she was in our, uh, our very first edition of the verge 50. That's right. She, she was on the list. That's right. Um, I think she was like number six, very influential, very influential. Yeah. But you know, I think about like some of her architecture and I, th- I think it is like this very, it is this architecture of the future. It really does look like something from, from, a, yeah. from science fiction. And yet it's I amazing. don't, and yet, and like you can, we can make buildings look really beautiful and modern. Um, but we don't seem to be able to build them really in a beautiful, in a, in a really modern way. Not well, like we do beautiful, but not, I just feel like the, the technologies move so slowly in cities. Well, and I think there are other important things that we don't see, uh, that really matter. And it's not just in, in cities, it's all over the country. I'm going to throw some data at you. Get ready for this. Oh, so no, this is, this is from a 2012 Pew report. So it's a little bit old now, but I think, uh, the headline still stands. Uh, only 62% of people in households making less than $30,000 a year use the internet. Uh, and when you jump up to like $50,000 a year, that percentage jumps, uh, to 90%. And there's still huge gaps in America, uh, when it comes to access to high-speed internet along uh, racial lines. So only 49%, and again, these numbers are from 2012, of African Americans and 51% of Hispanics have high-speed internet at home compared to 66% of Caucasian Caucasians. And look, internet speed, I mean, how easy it is for you to access the internet has a dramatic ripple effect on these days, especially where everything is on the internet, uh, you're in t- your whole life. Yeah. How much, how you're, how easy it is for you to access the internet, the quality of the, the connection, whether or not you can access media. I mean, it affects everything in your life from, uh, dealing with the government. A lot of it's online now, school, education, certainly, uh, exposure to culture and entertainment. Um, I mean, and so it's not even, it's not just the infrastructure we can see that's a huge issue and where there are huge opportunities to sort of democratize all of it. It's the infrastructure we can't see. Right. Um, and, and the reason that I started thinking about this because we were talking about Oculus and it's we're really lucky that we're sitting here sort of philosophizing about the future of VR. But the reality is none of that matters if your connection to the Internet isn't strong enough to to serve it. Right. Right. And this is what I'm saying. And I think just think that um, it's like I'm keep waiting for it to 
I keep waiting for things to change really, to really change. And, uh, I feel like we're still waiting, you know, maybe right. I'm, in, maybe I'm impatient, but I just think that, um, that, that large scale, I mean, the internet is a great one, actually, you know, the internet in this country, in the U S mm-hmm. why, how we don't have and why we don't have and how we're not making it a priority to have high speed, really high speed, by the way, like by right. comparison, truly high speed for everyone. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not impossible to do. It just requires like right. an enormous amount of collaboration on the part Look, of a lot of there different are people. Somebody, I'm sure I'm going to get flamed mercilessly for this, but I think there are two things that would be like pouring rocket fuel on the U S economy. One would be finding a way to forgive the trillions of dollars in student debt that are outstanding right. uh, at certain income levels, obviously. And two would be finding a way to truly get high-speed internet access for everyone. I Listen, I mean, the, this uh, country is a huge Ponzi scheme. I mean, we're screwing, we're screwing. It's, <laughs> no, we are. I mean, it is, the concentration of wealth is, uh, you know, insane and unbelievable and never, it's like never before been like this at any point in history. And Correct. the, the, the uh, class or economic mobility, however you want to say it, has come to a standstill or is coming to a standstill in the sense that like, you know, the American part of the American dream was supposed to be, or part of the idea of America is supposed to be, you can be poor here, you can work hard and work your way up the ladder and become, you know, economically better off than you were and your kids will be economically better. And there was a point, a very real, like natural progression of that in this country. And it, it, it has, it seems to be stalling. And I think, I mean, a lot of that has to do with, uh, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the scheme that we have created, um, the collusion of the government and big, big businesses and big banks to to keep the money, to keep the money in other people's, to to keep money in other people's hands. And I don't mean like some kind of like, I don't mean some like communist, like full on redistribution of wealth, but I mean, the reality is, uh, the hoarded wealth is having massive trickle down negative impact on society. At large. Let me let me throw another idea. Yeah, please do. Uh, not that I'm disagreeing with what you said, but another idea that's worth discussing. Uh, and this was they talked about this on a re- recent episode of the Freakonomics podcast. So they had an economist on uh, his name is Robert Gordon, uh, and he's put forth this idea uh, that the second industrial revolution was basically a one time event, and that because of that, uh, we now have completely unrealistic expectations for how our economy should develop going forward. Uh, that we've basically, that was the biggest boom of innovation and wealth creation and technological and, and, uh, human progress, uh, that we're going to see things like electricity, the, you know, the gasoline engine, antibiotics. Uh, it was this period of time, which created the, the biggest and fastest boost in standard of living in the history of the United States. Uh, and this economist, Robert Gordon basically argues that, sorry, everybody, that was a special one-time event. And the reality is for most of human history, uh, the human condition has been pretty stagnant for, hundreds of years at a time. Sure. And that's probably where we're headed. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of scary, but well, it's also really interesting. But it also doesn't, you know, in a weird way though, it doesn't dovetail with all the things that we're doing through technology. Right. You know, where it looks like, um, we should be and can be moving towards something much bigger, you know? And so, you know, I, you know, but maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's a myth. I do think the reason why both Trump and Bernie Sanders have, and maybe we talked about this before, but the reason why mm-hmm. both of them have um, managed to to create some interest and excitement is because they do address like one of the they do address this like sort of this feeling that like we're being lied to on a massive scale and that nobody and that nobody's saying it. Nobody's saying it. Right. Nobody's doing anything about it. And like well, that 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 sort of. The concentration of, of political power and business power is, has been bad for most people. Well, I think the interesting thing that Trump and Sanders have in common is that they both sort of put forward this idea of a, a renaissance or a rebirth of, of like a blue collar economy and a, a healthy blue collar workforce in the United States. Um, but most economists say that that's, you know, completely impossible in, in today's global economy. Um, and it's, it's sort of... Interesting that that's one thing that they both have in common, despite how different they are and everything else. But yeah, there's it, it's an interesting discussion about how there's a common thread there. Right. Uh, I mean, that's. I mean, <laughs> I like the idea that it's basically impossible in the global economy, like where everything's so tied in and tied up that 
you know, even if, even if we did have some create, try to create some radical change, like there's so many forces that'll push back on it and and obviate the possibilities. Yeah. It's kind of depressing. Anyhow, let's switch to something a little bit happier here for our final segment. Okay, um, let's do that. Ba- What's Batman v Superman. Haven't, haven't seen it I haven't it seen it either. And I think, but listen, I think uh, as a, as a lifelong Batman fan, I think that says something really important. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't think Christopher Nolan did that great of a job with Batman. Like I have definite issues. Not, not even Batman Begins, huh? Uh, but Begins, I think the Dark Knight is obviously far and away the best of that trilogy. Uh, I did. I don't think Batman Begins or um, the last one, The Dark Knight Rises, is that what it was called? Uh, I think so. God, I, that movie's terrible. I mean, that movie's just terrible. But I understand that this Batman versus Superman film is even worse. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think I will say this, all of what I really, really want to say, because I, I can't talk about the film itself. I haven't seen it. Right. Yep. What I can say is I think the comic book movie uh, trend is is going to be grinding to a halt pretty soon. You think we're, we're reaching our, uh, I mean, our these, Zenith these here? Are, these movies are fucking stupid. I'm sorry. I've watched all of the Avengers like films and their related films. Mm-hmm. And except for Ant-Man, which I, wa- I saw a little bit of it on plane. It was so pointless and stupid that I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I mean, just like, it's just like every one of these stories is, is, is exactly the same. And this, like yeah. their new, now the new twist on, on like, was like, okay, yeah, we've established all these comic heroes and, some of them don't get along and like, let's yeah. turn that into a movie. Like it was a big deal that like, you know, uh, in the last Avengers that Hulk and Iron Man had a fight and Iron Man had some special big suit that he wore or whatever. You know, right. people got like boners about that. It's like, oh man, Iron Man's got a big <laughs> suit. It's like the CGI characters fighting this other CGI right. character. Um, and now it's like, and now it's like Captain America and Iron Man are like at, at odds. And it's like, guess what? No matter what happens in this movie, Captain America and Iron Man are going to be teaming up for the next Avengers. Don't worry about it. Like it's, and it's like, and it's like there are no stakes in these films. Like, well, you know what I've been thinking a lot lately is that I'm starting to think that television, specifically the kind of television that um, Netflix is influencing, is a better medium oh my for God. superhero stories. Well, I so I haven't been watching Daredevil, but I, w- I have been watching the O.J. Simpson miniseries. Oh, okay. And I will tell this, and I will tell you this, like. Do 10 episodes, do 10 Avengers, do like a story arc that is like a whole season. Yeah. That would be much more satisfying. Absolutely. So have you seen um, Jessica Jones? Yeah, we started watching it. I thought- Not a fan. I I think it is- It's a little heavy handed in spots. I I like, listen, I like parts of it. I think Mm -hmm. the villain is excellent. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he's very good. Very good. I mean, I think what is, does Laura like it? I like it no, we both had a similar feeling. It's just like there's not a lot to sink your teeth into, and a lot of it is quite silly. I mean, it's it really is quite silly when you really get right down to it. It's like mm-hmm. this is sort of preposterous and stupid. And like as an adult, and by the way, again, I'm a fan of. I love comic books, but you kind of have to step back and go like this stuff is really kind of dumb. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things I think the um, now listen, most of the X Men movies have been terrible. Uh, I thought the last one was pretty decent. I thought that the first two were very good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much as far as I'm interested in commenting on any of the X Men movies. But I will say the the one thing that the X Men movies oh no, in first class I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Here's what's interesting yeah. about the X Men movies. Okay, they explore human level problems. Yes. They do not, they are not constantly obsessed with exploring some bullshit like, um, you know, like a lot of the Avengers movies seem to be fixated on this, on these like, like massive global events that are occurring that um, some member of the Avengers has to like deal with where we're like introduced to some new big idea that nobody really understood right. before. And, it's and like, in the course of each movie, an entire city is destroyed. Yeah. Like in the last Avengers movie, I don't even know what the fuck was going on in that movie. Honestly, like somebody wanted to kill somebody. And so they were blowing some stuff up. Like this is my <laughs> takeaway. There was like a bad guy who really hated some other people and wanted to like blow. Some, oh, I was in, Oh, it was right. as a computer, right? The computer decided that he had to kill all this is by the way, I'm sorry, the plot of right now. I remember Ultron, the plot of, of the Avengers, last Avengers movie was an a an artificially intelligent machine decided that humanity must be wiped out 
It's like, dude, that plot is like a billion fucking years old. I mean, that is the plot of every movie about an AI that's ever existed. Like, well, I don't, I don't think there was much of a plot. You know, no, there wasn't the a plot. And then it was like some really sick battles, you know? Uh, yeah. Anyhow, the point is, <laughs> anyhow, getting back to my point, the real point, which is, I yeah. think, I think, com- I think comic book movies are, are, are going to fall on hard times very soon. Look, I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think they're draining, movies- they're, they're draining the joy out of the genre. Look, I think they're very much at this point, from what I can see, headed towards their nadir. But comic book television, I believe, has a lot of potential. I just, you know, I think television has a lot of potential, too. And I think that's where people should shift their attention. What's unfortunate is, I mean, think is about... Is television even the right word? Think like about, when, no, when I mean, Netflix whatever releases it is. It's, it's 10 long, episodes long or something. Form, long that's form. Not t- yeah, it's long, long form. form video. Serialized yeah. storytelling. Serialized video go. storytelling. Uh, there you go. Imagine... Imagine a Batman series with the with the kind of money and time and effort put into Game of Thrones. Imagine an ongoing Ugh. story arc where 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 characters develop, where storylines develop, where you see where you see the Joker from his from his infancy, you know, from the beginning of his career as a criminal yeah. to his absolutely most dreadful you know, think about yeah. the story arcs that you could really, the kinds of character development, the kinds of characters you could introduce. And I mean, like, listen, I've watched a little bit of Daredevil, Jessica Jones I've watched. I don't think like, I think you can go way bigger and deeper on storytelling with those. You know, I think in the way that the best comic books go bigger and deeper on storytelling, where it isn't just about like superpowers, you know, or conspiracies. Where there is yeah. real storytelling. Yeah. I, I just think there's a huge, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's a medium there that can be tapped into that isn't being tapped into. And I think what we get is like bloated, these bloated, like one off attempts to but listen, I get it. That's where the money is, you know? Like the the Chinese viewers that are pouring into theaters to see Batman versus Superman. By the way, huge there's a huge international audience for this. It's not just mm-hmm. about America anymore, which is about the United States, which is fine. They're not going to, they're not watching the, for the, for the second weekend in a row, it was the top movie here as well. Now that yeah, but it, it plummeted came, like 70% oh, it plummeted. or something. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it plummeted, but it was still the top movie. I get it. I mean, listen, with a big enough marketing budget, pretty much anything can be the top movie. I mean, daddy's home is a success, a successful film, you know, like right, that's right. I don't know what to tell you. Like almost anything could be successful these days. Yeah. They make sequels to films. I'm like, you've got to be, I can, there's no way that was a fucking hit. And they're like, no, that was, that made like. $800 million at the box office. I'm like, you know, like, you know, Jeepers Creepers 6, like was, a, you know, yeah. made $450 million or something. That movie doesn't exist, by the way. And it didn't, it wouldn't make that much money if it did. It might exist. And I think we need to wrap up, unfortunately. I want okay. to do, I'm just, I said, I swore to myself I was going to, we were going to do a tight one today. Yeah. And this has been pretty tight. We're at about an hour and seven minutes, I think. That's what I have on my, um, on my uh, clock here. Listen, Michael, as always, this has been great. Just wonderful. I hope other people think it's as wonderful as you do. Uh, well, I don't think they're going to, but you know that's their problem, and that's the, mm-hmm. they're going to have to learn to live with. Look, we're not doing it for them; we're doing it for each other. No, and you've got to come back again. I mean, on the podcast. Yeah, next time we have to do it in person. Oh, we should totally do that. Did I say that last time? No, you didn't say it last well, time. I'm saying, is... I'm saying it now. All right. All right. Thank you again. It's my pleasure. Well, that is our show for this week. We'll be back next week with more tomorrow. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Though unfortunately for you and your family, the American dream is just driven away in a Tesla Model 3.